Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, your weekly Star Wars podcast from a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host Mark Asquith and joining me in, I don't want to say in the co-pilot seat, in the pilot seat, I'm looking at him from the navigation seat, looking over, watching him flick all the switches, wondering how to get that Dan compressor working once more. It is the man, the myth, the legend, the man with the chin of a sexy Wookiee, Mr. Gary Ayler, how you doing dude? Yeah. I'm all right. All right. Bloody compressor again, isn't it? Ah. Always the same. Always the same. Always the same. Yeah. Uncar Plut, he put it on, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Did Big mistake. Right down the scrappers. Yeah. Uh, well, how's the week been, dude? Yeah, the week's been not too bad, buddy. Yeah, not too bad. I've been catching up with some of the old Clone Wars going through that. Yeah, I'm back on, I think I'm back on season three now, I think, because I'm doing a chronological order. So, I've, you know, it takes you through a bunch of stuff reasonably sort of broadcast order but then it flicks you back to like an episode or a couple of like a two-parter that was back in like an earlier season and then back to the other one so yeah so I'm going through that because I'm eager to get onto season seven smash through that uh, Ooh, I've also picked up a couple of books a couple of new Star Wars books well one new Star Wars book so I picked yeah, up I The Art of Star Wars A New Hope mm. last month obviously the OCD kicked in I was like well I can't just have that one I have to get the other two from the OT so I've bagged this other one, The Empire Strikes Back off eBay. Sweet. Perfect condition. Bit of a steal as well. Nice. So uh, next month's going to be Return of the Jedi. But then there's always curveballs with these things. Because as I was looking through eBay, I found these like, I guess they're limited editions when they first brought them out back in the day. And they've got like these really nice covers, like big, colourful cover, um, uh, covers with like bigger logos and whatnot. So I'm going to get them as well. I guess. Oh, yeah. That is annoying, that, isn't it, mate, actually? Yeah. I hear you on that. It's like every version of it. I remember doing the same with the die-cut Superman, um, like when the death of Superman happened. You know, they did. Um, they introduced four different Supermen, didn't they? And to introduce each one, they did a die-cut cover. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get those. So I've been eBaying it, eBaying it. I still need one, actually. And uh, then you realise, wait a sec, there's another version where they did, you know, like a specific artist did a you know an alternate cover for each one you know what it's like you get them all the time um and it, dude it's just a killer on the wallet because you can't not get it he's a killer and that's why ebay is so good because at least you get a bit of a bargain so uh, i hear you on that one yeah, now how are you finding the clone wars rewatch dude enjoying it yeah i'm loving it mate yeah one thing i didn't notice the first time i watched it or a couple of years ago i suppose was that you really notice the visual fidelity increase and get better as it goes on so those season one and two episodes, they look great, don't get me wrong, but um, yeah, you can just tell that as you get onto those later ones, they're really pushing the envelope with like all the effects and just how clean it looks and like the quality animation is top, 
top notch dude so but i'm loving it mate i'm loving revisiting all these stories and stuff and you also pick up on like some older characters that you might not have and also like a load of locations that at the time were quite big in the show like ryloth the planet ryloth plays quite a big deal in like the earlier seasons but you just quite you kind of forget about that stuff as you uh as you go through it and then you go back and it's like, oh yeah all that shit happens on ryloth and Mm-hmm. and all that so it's great just to watch through it and then be reminded of those cool like the night sisters stuff and all those cool characters and locations that um you don't you don't forget 100 percent, but they just sort of leave your leave your sort of scope of immediate thought because there's loads of other star wars stuff happening like mandalorian and mm-hmm. lego games coming up and squadrons all this stuff and uh yes yeah, so all that stuff gets packed into like the the back end part of your brain and talking of video games actually um and books and stuff i was going to pick up another book because i found a really good deal on you know the um uh, they brought out the art of the art of jedi fallen order i was waiting for that to come down in price and i found a pretty good price but then on the same screen there was another one and it was like the art of jedi fallen order limited edition i was like for god's sake here we go round and round in bloody circles again so that's got like a nice big slipcase cover on it and it's a lot bigger and I don't know, dude. So I, I might pick that up. Nice. That one comes. So that's going to be another like, yeah. Wait for that to pop up on eBay, a cheaper price. But yeah. tough stitch, man. Tough stitch. I totally get it. Like those places, those like book workshops, dude. Are like my kryptonite. Mm-hmm. You know where you get because they do a lot of the coffee table books. Um, and you walk in, like you said, they've got the big dust case on them, uh, the big dust cover, and, and they're all really always well done. So like these places are just like crack for geeks. Um. It, it just when you're walking past them it's like discount books and there's always there's always a star wars one and there's always like a marvel one and a dc one so i totally get that dude i totally get that now for you ever present listener we are going to do a bit of a deep dive into the mandalorian season two initial trailer which came out to uh it came out to much post-release fanfare but surprisingly dropped i think this week there was no real lead up to it we were we were kind of digging into the fact that it was maybe going to release at Star Wars Celebration or would have been Star Wars Celebration the 21st, 22nd of August. That never happened. It simply didn't happen. And, you know, without much pre-warning, this week it dropped. So we are going to dig into that on a bit of a deep dive session today. But before we do that, a little cheeky reminder. Look, if you want to chat the Mando, if you want to chat about anything Star Wars, if you want to talk about the merits of a dust case on a big coffee table, but with Gaz or myself, you can do that on Twitter, Instagram, or the Facey B. We get a fair few messages on the old Facey B, don't we? Um, just people sending stuff through. So thanks to Dave and the, and, and the guys that send that through. It's always great just to interact over there. Uh, but if you do want to chat after the show, head over to any one of the socials, search for Spark Rebellion. You'll see our little logo and just give us give us a little tweet or a gram or a little Facebook message. And also remember, we are able to get back to posting out some merchandise pretty much as of now, so if you want some sweet Sparker Rebellion merchandise, maybe we'll do a cap, we talked about it on air last week, but you can get yourself some swag, alright, if you want to join the crew over on Patreon. Now, you can do this using varying different tiers to suit your budget, but honestly, we just take that cash and we stick it back into the show to make it better and better and better, and as we progress through the show... We continue to try and do that. And we've got, uh, I think it's fair to say that we've got 2021. We want to be doing even more stuff for the show. So Patreon will be top of the list. So go and jump on board at patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. Now, the Mandalorian season two trailer dropped this week, September 
the 15th, it came out. Now, you can check it out on YouTube. We'll stick a link in the show notes. Uh, as of today, September the 19th, it has gone ahead and found itself with 7.6 million views and a heck of a lot of comments, nearly 25,000 comments. So, you know, 1 minute 52, it's a fair chunk of a trailer, guys. Well, I know we're going to unpack it a little bit, but initial thought is kind of gets us excited. Maybe a couple of little teasers, but doesn't really give that much away, as is wanton for the first trailer for anything. It's just to whet your appetite a little bit. So what did you think, dude? Initial thoughts of it. What was the, what was the initial kind of gut feeling on this? Yeah, it was great, dude. The um, This really is like the perfect kind of trailer, right? Because over the years, I don't know how many years now, crikey, 10 years, I suppose, maybe longer, one of the biggest complaints around the film, not necessarily TV, but the movie industry, has been that you watch the trailer, you don't need to watch the film. And they haven't done that here. It's like the perfect trailer because you can get away with that with a teaser. So I guess a teaser is classed as a very short, um, very short trailer. Uh, but this is, like you said, this is at least, what, nearly two minutes long. And it shows off some really nice stuff, but it doesn't give you any indication on absolutely, you know, the, the really big themes from season one. So uh, Moff Gideon, the Dark Saber, who the child is, all of that stuff. We still don't, Moff Gideon's not even in the trailer. And then the only bits with the, the baby Yerda is just exactly what we saw from season one, where he's, the Mando's just you know, accompanying him to, or them, to wherever they've got to go. And yeah, so in, in terms of like first thoughts, when I first watched it, I was just like, frick, you know. They they seem to have taken the the first season and just stuck with that dude. It, it doesn't look like a big departure from the formula from the from the first one. So that's that's brilliant. And then like I said, it's uh it's really good. We got some meaty content, but at the same time, it feels like we haven't been told anything. So yeah, so she's got it up here as well as so perfect. <laughs> what about you, dude? You should not punish women. Um. Yeah, same thing, dude. It's um, you know that the, the all, all the all the tropes from the Mandalorian season one are there. You know they've played on the cuteness of Baby Yoda, and I think it's kind of nice that they've been able to show Baby Yoda this time round. Which, you know, it it, it was funny because I remember seeing Baby Yoda for the first time, and it was it, the split second before it was the reveal of the fact that it was a Yoda-style species. I was sort of. I didn't think it was going to be a Yoda speech, but I thought it would be like a baby Jedi. Like, I thought it was going to be that. Um, so that surprise was fantastic in season one. And that kind of gunned through season one. You know, that that really kind of pushed me through it. And I feel like, all, like you said, all they've done is just continued. It's sort of like, here's a continuation of season one. We're not going to give you too much. And I know we'll get to some of the details in a second. But like you said, there was just enough to make me feel like this is the Mandalorian that I like. Um, and there, like, there were a couple of things that were interesting to me, which again, we'll get to in a second, but it was the Mandalorian that I like, but they were able to lean into the fact that Baby Yoda's around and that you have that cuteness to play on. Like they definitely dialed up the, the, the cuteness. And even in the logo, you know, you see Mando and, 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 the, and the little kid in, inside the air. Um, so I think it, it's a very wise trailer. You know, it shows to everyone that this is just, it's it's the very same thing that you really desperately enjoyed last year. But 
we are going to up the stakes. There's a lot of chasing going on. It's not now about figuring out what the heck's going on with this kid as, as, as much as it is protecting the kid and just being on the run. But towards something now, not from something. You know, we're running towards uh, an answer or a series of answers. So I, I think you're right, dude. I think it's perfectly pitched. I think they could have done a teaser. You know, it does kind of does my head in when they do a teaser for a trailer. And you're like, wait a sec, this is a bit much. Um, but I think it's just very well pitched. It's just it's just reasonable. It's, there's nothing that stands out to blow your mind. There's maybe one or two things that you can get into a deep dive speculative discussion about, which I know we will do in a second. But there's nothing that's world changing and earth shattering. And I think given that that's what Disney wants with Disney Plus, like The Mandalorian wasn't. I can't think of one episode that was a higher action load than the one prior to it. It was all very steady, high-quality production, well-thought-out stuff. There was maybe one or two episodes that were a bit loose, like the Tatooine episode. I thought, you know, that could have maybe just... Did they, did they really need to do that? Um, but it's 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 for later. Um, so yeah, just well pitched, dude. So let's let's kind of unpack this a little bit. So the trailer starts, of course, with it looks like it's a follow on straight away from uh, from season one because the Mando's his ships beat up like the cargo bay is open. Um, things are just looking like a little bit rickety um, for Mando and for, for for Baby Yoda. So you kind of see that coming through, and it, it implies that there's no real time jump, which I think is quite fascinating. And of course, you know, it's not surprising that there is no time jump. Um, but then it gets really interesting. Uh, and this is, I think, probably the first bit to unpack. So we hear what seems to be the armourer. I think it's the armourer um, from season one. Starting to talk about this eons old war between old, powerful Mandalore and a race of sorcerers called the Jedi. And, you know, then moves to imply that we've got to try and figure out how to get this kid to the Jedi. So there's a couple of things that I want to unpack with that one. Number one. We've never seen that still. Like, I'm not going crazy. We've never seen that conflict. We don't really know that much about that Jedi and Mandalore conflict. I can't think of anything, unless it's pulling from the old EU, but I I can't think of anything that we've seen in current canon to do with that. And number two, the second implication is that why would, why would they assume that this kid, because, yeah, of course, there's force powers, why would they assume that the Jedi would be the people to take it back to, unless they are A, familiar with the Force, or two, they've seen Yoda, and someone recognises it. And three, surely, surely, whoever is saying that must know that five years after Empire Strikes Back, the Jedi have been 25 years dead. So, is there other rumours of Obi-Wan, other rumours of this new Jedi that's just slain the Emperor? So, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, so let's kind of go through that one by one. So, Number one, we've not we've not seen anything to do with the Jedi and the Mandalorians striking up this great fight, this great war, have we? I've not missed that in the in the canon. I don't think so. I'm trying to I'm trying to think. So she goes on to say, yeah, this thing about wizards and so on. So it's clear from her description that she doesn't know exactly what the Jedi are. That's the first thing that's clear. Otherwise, she wouldn't use the terminology, which she she wouldn't say. Um, this wizard thing. Um, and yeah, I can't think of uh, this this huge war or this old war between the Jedi and the Mandalorians. I can't... I'm racking my brains around some EU stuff now. It might have been in the EU somewhere. I can't remember exactly. But yeah, in terms of like main universe or main 
sort of main canon, I suppose. I don't think we have any. Uh, I don't think we have any stuff between the Jedi uh, and this thing. So uh, uh, not uh, not wizard. Sorry, she uh, labels them as sorcerers. So that was that was um, uh, a, a a common thing for people to describe Force users as, where they didn't understand the full thing around the Force, and then that split between the light and the dark, the Jedi and the Sith. People just referred to them as like magicians or sorcerers and stuff like that. So it's clear that. The armor. I'm pretty sure it is the armor. Um, who should play by Emily Swallow? Um, same that same actress. Um, uh, it's clear that the armor is trying to. I, I guess she's just trying to join the dots. From the sound of it, she's obviously aware from what she's heard or what the Mando's told her about what this child can do, and then she has thought, okay, let's put one, two and two together. That's exactly what these Jedi sorcerers used to do. Exactly the same stuff. So. Um, uh, or actually not exactly the same stuff because that's the thing I was going to come on to later this whole force healing thing they've only picked up on that very slightly throughout canon haven't they with Ray doing it and stuff so maybe not exactly the same as what most Jedi can do but yeah dude I think it's um, yeah I mean that that that's p- partly obvious to me is that uh, if the armor has picked up on all these abilities a child can do, it's like, hold on, yeah, these old sorcerers. So try and go and speak to them. They'll they'll help you out. But this war between the Jedi and the, the Mandos, yeah, I don't know about that one, dude. No, it's in it is in the EU. If you if you get deep into the EU stuff, it's 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 the Reven era. It's the uh, it's it's right. uh you know, three, four thousand years before the Battle of Yavin. You know, this is old school stuff. Um, Reven, as in like she specifically says the war between the Jedi and the Mandalorians, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, it, it that that just it that brings back a few little memories of of that sort of stuff. I wonder if it's on Wikipedia. We should Google that and get on it. Um, but it it it's one of those weird things as well. Where so this leads me to believe that maybe they're going to do something High Republic with this. You know, that entire time frame, maybe this is a bit of a tie into that where they're thinking, well, wait a sec, we can go back and tell this story in the books, the comics, and we can kind of dig into that a little bit because the, the public have got an appetite for Mandalorians and the public have got a, a, an appetite for Jedi. Um, maybe this is something that they'll dig into. So that that's quite interesting. Um, so that that's kind of fascinating to me. The second thing... Um, that I think is interesting is so you you think that this is probably just because they've put two and two together with the powers then, um, and it becomes sort of a right these Jedi guys the, this is kind of all of the stories that I've heard kind of sound like what you've told me this kid can do. You think that's sort of the linkage? I th- I think so. Yeah, because it can't be the species thing. She can't just take one look at it and think, all oh, right, yeah, I know that species because that's one of the appeals I suppose of Yoda and now the child is that. We haven't seen any other. So I don't think it's that. She hasn't taken a look at the child and gone, oh, yeah, I know. There, there was another Jedi, or there is another Jedi. Uh, that's exactly the same as this little one. But So, yeah, he's part of the Jedi. Go and speak to them. So I don't think it's that. So it must okay. be, the only other thing it can be is the, uh, is the powers that's been described to her, or she's seen or heard. Yeah. And how do you think that ties into this whole, the Jedi are dead? You know, obviously, we've the, the, there must be some kind of, you know, when you look at some things like the uh, Battlefront 2 campaign, some of the stuff in Chuck Wendig's Aftermath, you know, Luke Skywalker's very overtly now a Jedi that is looking to build a new Jedi Academy. You know, that's not a secret anymore. 
And at this point, five years in, there's a lot that, that is into that. So for someone to say, you have to find the Jedi, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, how do you think that ties into this post, post-Return of the Jedi world, this post-Emperor, post-Empire world? Because this is post-Battle of Jakku. This is, the Empire is supposed to be out of it, you know? Um, so do you, do you think this is something that we're going to see a little bit more of, where they say, well, look, actually, the Jedi are starting back up again. Like, we're starting getting the old band back together. Uh, you know, or is it, are they, are they literally just leaning on the heritage of the Mandalorian and Jedi War? You know, what's, what do we think the deal is there? Hmm, it could be a bit of both. It could be a bit of, um, they're, they're playing the, they're like two cards on the table with that one. Because I think if you're, and I think if you're going to appeal to sort of casual Star Wars viewers these days, or people that have not really been into Star Wars too much, they might have seen the odd film back in the day and they want to start watching it, it's probably not a good idea to start piling on like lots of EU lore and history and timelines and all that stuff. So I think there's probably a bit of both. It's a bit like, yeah, um, let's let's kind of hint at things. Let's not dive too much into it, but let's hint at things like, so when they said, you know, the the Jedi, you know, no more, the dead Jedi, whatever it is, that's obviously just a big... um, sort of finger point signpost to um to uh it's obviously the jedi being no more obviously um and then in terms of um sort of linking it to uh, all the other abilities and stuff yeah i think it's uh hmm i think it's um i mean this is the great thing about this trailer right like i said at the right beginning it's like perfect because it serves up a bunch of good content, but it doesn't answer anything. It doesn't tell you anything in detail. So it's really cool the way that they've, and that's what's so good about this trailer actually is when she says those words, reuniting it with its own kind and, uh, and all that stuff. So that, that what gets everybody like you and I, that sort of brains ticking over and stuff. Um, yeah. So to answer your question, dude, I think it's a little bit of both. I would say. Just a heads up as well. My neighbors just decided to drill. <laughs> this is why re- Record at the studio. This is why I record at the studio. So you are ever-present listener. If you're a Gaz, not this Gaz, not our Gaz, the Gaz next door doing a bit of drilling. Fair play, Gaz, if you're listening. Fair play. (laughs) Um, Um, I was just about to say, my next-door neighbour has just pulled out a thousand-foot-high saw in the back garden uh, and has just revved that up. So if any listeners can hear that. actually true? Yeah. So if any listeners Are you kidding me? No, no. So if any listeners can hear that, I do (laughs) apologise. And likewise... Oh my word, this is amazing. Dude, we are two geeks surrounded by handy DIY guys. Because the regime don't like it, man. Come on, come on, Nelson. Let's get out of here. All right, so I agree. I I, I think to a degree, it's, it, and I when I'm saying I agree, I agree with, with the sentiment of the trailer because you're right, it's, it's laid it on and made us think about that one. Um, the reason that I mentioned that is that I'm kind of curious about what's next for Disney, and I think that this season of The Mandalorian, a little bit like Arrow did with Flash and stuff like that, in, insofar as um, I, I think that perhaps we're going to see a lot of little threads that can be spun off into other things. Um so that becomes fascinating to me because it's sort of a... We, we've talked about this fertile territory for the Jedi, you know, this post-Empire Strikes Back, um, and, and, and more stories to be told about the First Order, the remnants of the Empire. We know that um, Grand Admiral... Uh, not Grand Admiral, I suppose she is actually, but Admiral Sloan, Ray Sloan, you know, she ends up off in the unknown regions building and working on things. Um, so it kind of lends itself to a heck of a lot of interesting stuff. And... 
I, I just wonder if season two is going to be one of those seasons where they lay the seeds for little offshoots of things. Um, which leads me to the next kind of point of note, which of course is we see throughout this entire trailer, we see uh, a mysterious lady shrouded in a cloak. Now for a second, and I mean a split second, I was like, is that a soaker? And then instantly realized it wasn't because the shape wasn't right. So let's get to this. It's been overlaid with the audio of Find the Jedi, essentially. The whole point of the audio over this particular set of shots on the Mandalorian Season 2 trailer where we see this woman shrouded in mystery and then seeming to follow Mando and kind of disappear into the shadows at every turn. It's overlaid with this Jedi prose. What's going on, dude? I've got I've got some talk from the internet that we can dig into, but what do you think's going on with this? Hmm. This one's either incredibly obvious or it's a bit of a curveball. What I mean by that is, yeah, like you're absolutely right. So as she's talking over it uh, and about an order of sorcerers, it, it focuses in on this character who seems to be, you know, the old in A New Hope when they're going to the hangar bay and there's that. Um, the cloaked figure who's like a spy for Vader and he's like following them around and stuff. It's got that kind of vibe about it where the Mandalorian's there obviously going about his business, whatever he's doing, and then this cloaked figure's there. And the reason why I say it's either one or the other is because the, the expression on um, on on her face, and, uh, and this was a... I didn't think this was going to be true, by the way. So months ago, we covered the story that... Um, the WWE wrestler Sasha Banks was going to be in The Mandalorian. We didn't mm, don't know, but she's obviously here, which is cool. Um, but she's obviously got this kind of, the, the way she looks, and I, I guess it's like a visual design thing. It's like Jedi have like light robes and stuff like that. You know, the Sith are all very dark and dark reds and all that sort of thing. She looks like a bad guy. She looks like a typical baddie when, when uh, you see her in the trailer and, um, and she's got the cloak on and stuff. Now, it's either incredibly obvious that this is the thing. So, yep, she is going to be a Sith or a Dark Sider, and she's after the child. Or it's a curveball, and they've made her look like a baddie in the trailer, but she actually turns out to be sort of a, like a Cal Kestis sort of thing, like a Jedi in hiding kind of thing. And she's out for the best interests of the child as well, and they sort of team up later, something like that. Or she helps the Mando in some shape or form. So I don't know exactly what that could be right now, but certainly from this trailer, they've alluded to the fact the way it's been shot and the expression on her face, she looks like a baddie. So she could be a darksider who's been tasked with obtaining the child. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a fair assessment. And it's, I think it's fairly clear that... Not fairly clear, but I think it would be a... People would kick off just a tad if it was revealed that this wasn't a Force user, one way or the other. Um, but it does remind me of the way that Ahsoka has got the get-up in the um, in Rebels at the end of um, like the Ahsoka book when you start to see her, plus some other places that we've seen Ahsoka knocking about. Um, you know, this is very much her style of disguise as well. You know, it's, it's very much a... Um, I just kind of want to blend in because everyone's got these dark robes as well. So you're right. Now, the interesting rumour that's going around, which kind of plays into uh, a number of these previous rumours, is that this could possibly be Sabine Wren. Um, 
obviously Mandalorian, you know, former holder of the Darksaber, last saw her post-Return of the Jedi. Um, she was post-Rebels. You know, they, we had the flash forward. We know Ahsoka and Harrison Duller are still knocking around. Um, so there is talk that maybe this is Sabine Wren. Certainly the, the, the skin tone is there. Um, she's got a vested interest in Mandalore. She's got a vested interest in the Darksaber. Is that too obvious? Is it, is it, or is it one of those where it's sort of like, well, if you're going to introduce a new character with these particular interests to casual viewers, so like my mum, had you may as well do what the Rise of Skywalker didn't do and bring someone back for the fans as well? Because you sort of get the same outcome regardless, but we may as well, can we do more with it? So do we, what are the odds of this being Sabine Wren? Uh, reasonably high, I would say. Reasonably high because the way you've just described, yeah, she does fit into, like the interests would would suit her character pretty much bang on with the Darksaber and also Mandalore and all that stuff. So she, I mean, I'm just, I'm just wondering what her MO would be ultimately. So would she be... Because it doesn't, from her character point of view, it doesn't sound like she would have any interest in the child at all. I would say that her her motive for following these guys around and waiting to make a move, possibly to introduce herself, sounds like it's more dark saber stuff. That would be the the obvious thing. But then, like you said, is it too obvious? Is it too much of a? And also, how much are they going to have to do in terms of some character introduction here? Because, like you just said, for casual fans. You can't. Ex- that was one of the complaints, wasn't it, with the most of the sequel trilogy? You can't expect fans to have to go and read a book or go and do lots of other stuff so they know who who a character is and what they're doing and what their motive is and all that stuff. So, have they got the time to um, to bring her character into it and explain her character properly so that people get it? Because they're going to have to explain not just her, but I guess a little bit around. Um, the crew from Rebels and why she's there and, and all that jazz, maybe. So I'm just wondering if there's enough time for that. Because she's not a small yeah. character, is she? No, man, it's a great point. And, and I sort of think, to, to sort of counter that a little, that they're going to have to introduce anyone. So this character will have to be introduced. But it's you're right, it's how deep they go with it. Is it just a case of, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a former Mandalorian warrior. You know, we had a bit of a scuffle. I ended up with a Darksaber, not seen it since. Um, you know, like, th- that's sort of enough for a standard new character. You know, obviously there'd be far more exposition than that, but that's sort of enough because it's sort of like, well, okay, that's motive. I get it. That's cool. We crack on. Um, But for, for, you know, for fans that know the name and know the history, it's sort of like, okay, now, okay, this is good for you guys as well because you know the backstory. So you're right. There's always a balancing act with these sort of things. And the thing that kind of gets me interested with that one and curious is that, how true are the other rumours? You know, Thrawn, Ezra, in particular, Bo-Katan cries, uh, you know, Katie Sackhoff, she's apparently been cast, resuming the voice role that she did. Um, and of course, Rosario Dawson, Ahsoka. You know, how true are those rumours? Because if those rumours are true, this is like, you know, theoretically, if this is Sabine Wren, that's the gateway drug to that crew. Um, and it's, how far are they willing to go at the expense of the Mandalorian story? And how carefully can they tie it in without ruining the Mandalorian's tale? 
Um, and that I think that's a real balancing act, dude, because you and me would love to see Ahsoka and Sabine and Bo-Katan cries and all these people that we've grown up with on the Clone Wars and Rebels. We'd love to see all of that stuff. But it could be at the expense of the Mandalorian. So I think that's a bit of a careful balance, dude. Exactly that, mate. Yeah, one of the strengths of season one was, and you and I have said this plenty of times and we've talked about it, is they don't have to now rely on names from other parts of Star Wars. It stands on its own two feet. And that was when we were before season one came out and we were legally watching it online on Disney Plus. We were saying that's as we were going through it, we were saying, uh, are they going to have to start drop doing some name dropping to bring in some familiarity from other parts of Star Wars? Are they going to have to start introducing more popular characters? Because is the is the story thread for the Mandalorian thick enough that it just doesn't wear out after like two or three episodes and then you have to start doing other things with other characters. And they've showed that absolutely, man, this character's got so much depth, a lot of history, and they can do that stuff. So I think for this, for season two and these type of characters, maybe, because this could be completely nothing, dude. This character, Sasha Banks, she could be in this for just one episode. She could be a spy for somebody... And then that's it. She followed them around. Um, they find out who she is. She gets her ass whooped. And then that's it. Bye-bye, Sasha Banks. It could be as simple as that as well. So let's not discount the fact that, although the trailer hints that this is a character because it's kind of, it suits very well the voiceover and that kind of thing, it could also be a, yeah, here's, here's, here's your one episode. Thanks for coming. Moving on. Yeah, absolutely, man. And we saw a couple of those in the uh, in the first season, really, where there were, you know, like <clears throat> Carl Weathers and, and even um, Gina Carano, you know, their characters were in it, but they weren't deeply in it. You know, they were only in it when it really mattered and served the story. <clears throat> you know, they didn't, they didn't force that in there. Um, and speaking of which, those two characters make a very brief appearance in this trailer. And one thing that struck me, we'll not dwell on this too long, but they've sort of done a marvel on this. Have you noticed how they're just all significantly brighter? Like all of the colours and the costumes, it's just like, ha-ha, we now have suits. Ha-ha. So, like, what's going on with that? Like, do you think someone's just gone, just lighten this up, Dave? It just, come mm. on, mate. It's, this is for kids, mate. Yeah, this is cool, actually. Um, yeah, and it goes back to that pure... I mean, this is... Yeah, when you nail it like this, it really does leave an impact because... In the first season, I think um, uh, Kara's character, her stuff was more sort of grey and silver. And Grief's character, he wore just like really dark greys and browns, I think like that. So when you then fast forward and they've gone through all of that crap in season one and they would get to this point and Grief is in like these sort of red colours and she's got more bright blue and all that stuff. That really says from like a, a a child's perspective, like literally if you're watching this and you're between like, I don't know, seven and 13 or whatever it might be in that kind of age bracket, you absolutely identify with that visual switch. Um, and so that's, that's really useful in terms of their character progression and how they tra- transitioned from, cause we still don't know exactly what these guys are up to, but what we do know. So the, that scene in the trailer where you just see them, uh, walking towards camera, I suppose, in the background, you can tell they've just had a big old tear up because the building behind them is all crumbling, there's smoke everywhere. So we don't know what they're up to, but it could be that they're sort of fighting the good fight now, I suppose. They're 
I don't know, I don't know they've left their sort of bounty huntery sort of things and sort of mercenary ways behind potentially and they're doing that stuff and their costumes would suggest that or they've just had a pay rise one of the two i mean they are looking pretty swish <laughs> let's be honest he's got all that best guy to sell he's like you know, go, 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 go the best guy you know you know what mando you fight great but i'm a great fighter he's also not dying the old goatee anymore he's got some right old snow in the goatee now well, I, I noticed that because on the season one, I was like, number one, Carl Weathers is alive. Number two, <laughs> look how good he looks. This is amazing. And then season two, I wonder if anyone's going to bring it up like, whoa, dude, this has been a, what a tough week, man. Like, where's the, what's come to the beard this week? Like it was only Wednesday. We screwed over Moff Gideon. Now, dude, it's Friday. What's going on? Well, he's like, well, me and Kara, you know, we're together now. I don't have to try anymore. Now that, I've, now that we're together, it's all good. Letting it go. Letting it go, Letting mate. Letting it go. Yeah. yeah. So what do you reckon to these new costumes? It is a bit marvel isn't it? It's a little bit uh, MCU yeah. sort of thing, but it does I, look pretty cool though. I think it's Star Wars, dude. I mean, it's, you know, if we go right back to the beginning, it's for kids. Um, and just because we like it and we're now grown up, you know, it's still got to appeal to the peeps that want it to be that kind of show. And um, yeah, I mean, it's all right. It, it's all right. I, I have to admit, I liked the dirtiness of season one. You know, it was, everyone was a bit beat up. Um, but I mean, Mando's had an upgrade. You know, he's got his sigil, he's got all his Beskar armor on. Um, and, and these two have, have, have followed suit. So I think it's, I think it's all right. It's, it's, it just is what it is. It's, it's of the world today. You know, it's, it's, it's certainly, it's targeting the Disney Plus audience. I'm all right with that. I can, I can let that one slide. Um, now, there are a couple of things that we'll skip over, and then we'll, I want to dig into just one more particular piece of it. So we see um, what appears to be Mando in a bit of a, you know, in a, get into a bit of a kerfuffle at a boxing match w- w- between what appear to be two Gamorreans. Um, you see him surrounded, and basically, the, you know, these quick cuts, these quick jump cuts, they're intended to do two things, I think. Number one, show that Mando is being hunted, and number two, show the bond between Mando and Baby Yoda, the child. Um, and, you know, the, the cuteness ups when Mando fires, you know, he fires up his his, uh, his wrist kind of, whatever it is, the laser, the gun, the kind of uh, the rope that he's got on there, and, and, and Baby Yoda just, he pops his arm out and, and covers himself up in the little egg. You know, th- those little quick jump scenes that are intended to show the 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 fact that there will be some action, the fact that he is being hunted with the child and the fact that there's a bond between them and, and that they've learned how to kind of handle each other. I think that's kind of nice. Um, but the two bits that are independent of each other, but I find curious as one, uh, sort of two sides of the same coin, are that we see at two independent moments, we see remnants of the Empire and, of course, remnants of the Rebellion, a.k.a. the New Republic, insofar as the Mando being escorted by two X-Wing, which is fascinating to me because we saw the two X-Wing on the space station last time, coming in to bomb that. Um, But perhaps more interesting is, bear in mind when Mandalorian is set, five years post-Return of the Jedi, the Empire are down, they've retreated to the uh, unknown regions, Ray Sloan's out there running ship, we don't know where Thrawn is, we don't know where Ezra is, Battle of Jakku's happened, Luke's out doing his thing, the Empire, for all intents and purposes, are just minor small cells, almost like the Rebellion used to be, with the First Order recouping and rebuilding out on Exegol at this point. But we see TIE Fighters, and we see old-school speeders from Return of the Jedi, and we see old-school Stormtroopers, which is fascinating to me. Um, so kind of those things together, it, it, it plays into that duality. You know, things have really switched now. The Rebellion 
which is now the New Republic, is in control. The Empire on the run. These little cells popping up. Um, I just... The reason I bring that up is just because I find it fascinating, fascinating as duality, but also really interesting to see how they handle the fact that the Empire should be dead and should be out of it. Like, how are they going to handle that? Like, is this just Moff Gideon's cell? Is the Empire bigger than we thought at this point? Are they still on the way down? Are they on the way up? And I just, you know, I've got no real specific discussion point on that other than I think it's fascinating to see both of these factions playing a part in The Mandalorian. Um, so just, just throwing that out there really, man, and just kind of just, just leaving that on the table. Yeah. This is one of the cool bits about this timeline, I suppose, because we ultimately know that it, this later on in the timeline, we're going to get onto the sequel trilogy stuff. So we're going to hit all of that new empire stuff, you know, uh, Kylo Ren and all that stuff. Uh, but for now in this timeline, it really serves up as this, just a treasure, a treasure, a looser treasure. It really serves up a treasure trove of stories and locations that you can dive into without having to worry about anything at all, because you know that uh, you're you're kind of locked between um, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, aren't you? You're kind of locked in that bubble. You can't really go anywhere else with it, so then you start to dive into, like you said, all of these different cells that have appeared for the Empire. And uh, it kind of links in also to, uh, did you see the Star Wars Squadrons, that little short CG film that they put out? There was that uh, that, um, that scene where the, uh, the Death Star's been blown up and there's like this final sort of battle, uh, wherever it is, and... Uh, where the, the, I think it's the TIE fighter dude, I think his name's Im, he's being chased by that X-Wing pilot. And they, they've got sort of radio comms and he looks over the, the, the X-Wing fight, fighter and he goes, uh, uh, war's over. And then this TIE fighter pilot's like, <laughs> I don't think so, dude, because he, he still fights. And even right at the end when he's on the beach, like you see these other TIE fighters that have escaped the the the, uh, the Rebel Alliance. And um, they're like, any... Uh, any TIE fighters out there. So they're kind of grouping people together, like all of these um, sort of ex-Empire cells that you put it, as you put it there, um, they, they're still fighting the, what in their eyes, they're still fighting the good fight, I suppose. They still believe in everything that the Emperor was doing and the Empire and stuff. So it really does serve up really cool opportunities to go and explore those little pockets, those little cells on whatever planet they go to, because it's clear from the trailer that they go to a vast amount of locations and and planets again. And that's what's cool about those things where you mentioned the we see the the old TIE fighters, we see the scouter troops on the speeder bikes, who look badass, by the way. Um, they're like my favourite sort of stormtrooper design, those scout troopers, they look so good. Um, yeah, so that duality, that kind of tables turning kind of tied that we've witnessed and now we're into that pocket in this timeline it, it really it really is fascinating dude because that then also opens up the possibility of okay so we've seen all of these um little pockets these little cells of imperials still knocking around and stuff but now do we also get to see little pockets of um uh, jedi um, knocking around that we haven't seen in the main canon timeline as yet. So that's fascinating as well. So yeah, dude, it was a, that was a cool one to drop on the table because um, the last thing we want as we go through season two is to exhaust those 
storytelling opportunities. We don't want to get to season, uh, episode six or seven out of 10 or whatever it is. And we're like, right, you need to wrap this up, guys. We've been here before. We've seen these before. You know, so they need to keep that stuff fresh, fresh and coming. Yeah, that, you make a good point about the Jedi. Um, and there's, there's a couple of things of note on, on that. Um, some of the more interesting stuff that I've found about the Empire versus the Rebellion and all the Republic have been in the little nuances around things like Battlefront 2's campaign and storyline, where you see defectors and so on. And also things like Lost Stars, um, the book where you've got the two characters that grow up together. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of together throughout their entire lives, but one believes in the Empire, one believes in the Rebellion. And all the little nuances around, wait a second, actually painted as that. The Empire truly believes in the good it's doing and the people fighting that war for them believe in it. So all these grey areas are really fascinating. I think this is a really good platform to dig into that. So I think you make a great point on that one. Because uh, there are some great stories. And you make a really interesting point, dude, actually, about the Jedi. Because one thing that I've never considered before, and I don't think it's even been touched upon, because we've not seen anything from Ahsoka, we've not seen, there's nothing in Battlefront apart from Luke, um, and there's certainly not really anything apart from Leia in Aftermath and, and the sequel trilogy. The fact that, wait a second, Vader's dead, the Emperor's dead, all these Jedi have heard potentially about this new Jedi that took down the Emperor. They can start just raising their head a little bit and just coming out and saying, whoop, Cal Ketsis, yeah, I'm, hey, hey, this is me. I'm a, I am was a Jedi too. You know, you got your Ezra Bridger. I'm sure that will that, that'll be dealt with in the future. But you do kind of have all these little rogue Jedi that could start just popping their head above the parapet a little bit where they've not been able to do that before. You know, the last 25 years has been them in hiding and scared to death to fire up a lightsaber. Um, so that, that that becomes interesting as well. So, yeah, there's so many layers to this dude, uh, which is which is fascinating. But I think it's safe to say that the Mandalorian Season 2 trailer has got our appetites well and truly wet. Um, coming out the end of October, so not too far away, dude. We're only talking six weeks away, five, six weeks away. Um, 30th of October, we'll be getting that. Do you think it's going to come out weekly again? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think, well, there's no reason to change that other than everybody complaining about <laughs> I say there's no reason. A lot of people complained about it. So that, yeah, that completely undoes what I just said. So Disney, Disney might be like, yeah, that was like the no complaints in terms of storytelling and stuff. Fans obviously loved it, but they didn't appreciate having to wait every week. So maybe they'll change that. But uh in a way, I kind of like it, dude. I kind of like that because it goes back to the good old days of, of TV. That makes me sound incredibly old, but like the good old days of TV where you were left on a cliffhanger and you were like, tune in next week to find out what happens as they hang over the edge of a cliff. Will they, so, you know, all that stuff. It's um, So yeah, in a way, it would be nice to have like the Stranger Things kind of model where you just dump it all and everybody binge watches it and then everyone explodes on the internet with everything but you're on the other side of the coin i don't know quite like that yeah i get that dude i uh, i don't mind that i think it's uh it's frustrating because it really gets you going it's like when i used to watch 24 every week when it came out i was like are you kidding me again come on but i mean that's how you get people excited and uh it's good for us as well because frankly as content creators every week we can unpack something get it completely wrong and then revisit it the week after um, so as, as Star Wars content creators this is pretty badass for us it's fairly useful
Um, but look, we're going to stick a pin in it right there. This has been good to deep dive into the Mandalorian trailer. So thank you for letting us do this, you uh, you beautiful listener. Thank you for doing that, as always. And like I said, if you want to hit us up on any of the socials, just search for Spark of Rebellion. You'll find us on there. Let's talk the Mandalorian. Let's dig into what you think is in store for Season 2. And if you want to join the Spark of Rebellion crew, if you want to join us on board, check out patreon.com slash spark of rebellion that helps us to produce this show and continue to try and make this show better and better and better as time progresses and it's always a pleasure please drop us a review in your podcast app wherever you're listening to your podcast right now grab your phone out of your pocket fire up the app on your computer wherever you're listening and just leave us a review or if you're a pod chaser fan go over to podchaser.com search for spark of rebellion and drop us a review over there as well so thank you so much it's always a pleasure and Gaz cheers for uh, cheers for flying with me this week my man yeah it's always good buddy flying the old falcon and yeah I think to wrap up on the Mandalorian season 2 the trailer does serve perfectly um, a bunch of cool news but also opens up a load of questions that uh, it's great for you and I and other um, podcasts and whatever to talk through so it's all good for that and uh, yeah as Mark said it's been good to have you all back um Next week, I think we're going to dive back into our usual format. So we'll fill you in on everything that's happening out there in Star Wars. Until then, dude, until um, next week, uh, take care of yourselves, stay safe and stay healthy. And may the Force be with you, always. Always.